You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. The pitch, a swing and a drive, deep left field. Welcome to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. That ball's hit hard and deep to left field, backing to the track, to the wall, and it's gone! It's a grand slam! Now, Matt Pauley, Mike Claiborne, and the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron. Wainwright picks out the sign, the pitch is swung on a miss, throw to second base, strike him out, throw him out, double play. On the Cardinals Radio Network. It is countdown to opening day. We welcome you into the program. Just two shows left, and uh, then we're going to be done counting down. It's going to be just about time for opening day. Alongside of uh, Mike Claiborne, my name's Matt Pauley. Claves is still in Jupiter. I am back to St. Louis. Claves, I guess uh, it's great to uh, talk to you, and I guess they can uh, keep doing spring training even after uh, I head back to St. Louis. Well, we're glad you made it back in one piece. Um, it, it's been an interesting spring training, Matt, for a lot of different reasons. Uh, as you saw when you were here, um, we have a lot of competition in various positions. Uh, it's been quite a challenge to see how the manager, Oliver Marmel, and his coaching staff find enough innings as well as uh, opportunities for guys to to perform. And, but I will say this, uh, with the exception of the guys who went off to the WBC, there's not a player in this camp that hasn't been afforded a legitimate opportunity to to make this ball club. Yeah, I would agree with that. And you know, one of the big storylines and narratives that we discussed so much was what's it going to look like with the WBC guys gone? Well, now we can shift that a little bit because we can say what's it going to look like with the WBC guys coming back? Tommy Edmonds going to be the one of the first guys to get back. They'll kind of slowly integrate him back in after he goes through some some really tough travel. But as WBC teams start to get knocked out, we're going to start to see some of these players returning to camp. No, you're right. And and I think it's something that, uh, you know, when you look at these guys, you say to yourselves, OK, we, we've had some guys that have really done a nice job uh, in your absence. At least that's what you'd hope to say. Uh, that hasn't always been the case because we've had some guys who I think really have squandered a great opportunity. And, and how they go from here, I think, is going to be a real challenge. Uh, but again, I go back to my original point. Everybody's been afforded a legitimate opportunity, and, and guys have played in different positions. They've hit in different spots in the order. Uh, they played multiple games. Um, and, you know, it's also enhanced some people. I mean, you think about what it's done for Jordan Walker. It's yeah. also let people know that um, Mason wins closer to the big leagues than they thought. It also tells you that Tink Hentz is a guy that's improved a lot, not ready for the big leagues yet, but, uh, you know, you could easily see him in the mix somewhere down the road. Uh, so, you know, it, it's done a lot of things. Uh, it's given a few other guys, like I, I look at a guy like uh, some of the relief pitchers, and Andrew Suarez is a guy. Jake Woodford is a guy who, who've accounted for themselves well. Drew Verhagen has let everybody know that the Drew Verhagen you saw last year is not the guy that you signed. This is closer to it. So there's a lot of different things that are going on that gives you really a, a good feeling about the direction. And again, uh, when those managers and coaches and front office personnel sit down and form this roster, form this roster, it's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. I mentioned Tommy Edmond coming back. The two guys who 
kind of had opportunities because of that Mason Wynn and, and Paul DeYoung. And you mentioned Mason Wynn. He did everything and more that he possibly could have done uh, with that extra time, even spent some time over at uh, second base. We're on the other side of things. Uh, Paul DeYoung, for all the work he did in the offseason, and you certainly appreciate it, uh, he hasn't totally been able to get it going. And he's, he's had some injuries that have impacted him. Uh, he's been able to DH some and not play in the field. He finally got back into the field. But from him, offensively, it uh, he has not taken yet advantage of those opportunities that were given to him. No, he really hasn't. I think he's three for 18, uh, maybe maybe even more. You know, he had the arm. He had, he had the back where he didn't play uh, earlier this week. And he's running out of time because yeah. when Edmund comes back, I don't know who's going to play shortstop. I mean, they're going to give Tommy Edmund a chance to catch his breath. But Paul DeYoung is not accounted for himself in the manner I think he was hoping for. And, and that's unfortunate because you touched on he's put a lot of work in this. Uh, but the fruits have not uh, been born off the tree because uh, it, it's it's almost like last year. Has your opinion changed? So I'll, I'll tell you where I was at. Going in, everything I'd heard about Mason Wynn, because I hadn't seen him play, was that he's a really good defensive player, but he wasn't there offensively. And I was expecting to see a guy who was going to be overmatched offensively and was probably going to get reassigned to minor league camp fairly early on. And it's been the exact opposite of that. He has uh, looked to be very good with his bat, and he has been exactly who he thought he was going to be defensively. So for me, I feel like the timeline has maybe changed on when he might get to the big leagues. Not that he's going to break camp with him, but that we could maybe see him in the big leagues this year. Has your opinion changed on him as you've watched him play these great fruit league games? Uh, it's changed, but I just don't see where he would fit in unless you have some serious injury. Uh, I just don't see, you know, how he supplants Tommy Edmond or you move Tommy Edmond from, from uh short to second. You know, I, I just don't see that. Uh, I, I think he needs at bats. I think he still needs to hone his skill. Uh, and I don't think there's a need to rush him uh, at this point. As inviting as he is, I just don't think there's a reason. Because if you're going to bring a guy up at this age, he's got to play every day. He's got to play. And I just don't see where there's an opportunity for him to play, whether it's second or short right now, because you have some other people with more experience in front of him. And if you're thinking about second base, think again, because Brendan Donovan's having a very good spring himself. Look, things can change. When when all of a sudden it's not the Grapefruit League anymore and it's real games, things can change quickly. But I think you look at Brendan Donovan, you look at Nolan Gorman, you look at uh, all these outfitters that are performing at, at a pretty high level, whether it's uh, in Grapefruit League games or you know, at Tyler O'Neill and a Lars Newtbar, those guys have performed so far uh, in the in the World Baseball Classic. As the roster sits right now, and you alluded to it, not only is it a crunch for to get onto that 26-man roster, but once the season gets started, if everybody continues to perform at the level they're performing right now, you've got some really tough but good decisions to make because of how many guys you do have performing. Yeah, oh, you're right. And, you know, you, you, it's such a fine line where you're going to have to make uh, some some arguments for some people, and I'll give you a good example, like a guy like Dylan Carlson. I, I think if you keep Walker, and I think you should, you're probably going to go with four outfielders. When you think about right field, that's going to be the wild card position because you have two people who can play it in Carlson and Newbar. So then you start to look for matchups. You know, uh, maybe if there's a lefty, then then Carlson plays. Maybe if there's a righty then Newbar plays, or if Carlson's had good success against a certain left-handed pitcher, I, I just think, or right-handed pitcher, I just think you have to really start to split hairs here to figure out who gives you the best chance to win every night. And it's not going to be the same lineup every day. 
Jordan Walker has essentially been a 400 hitter throughout all of spring. His OPS has been above a thousand. He's hit for power. He's uh, put in the gaps. He's got an extra bases. I mean, he's done everything you could possibly ask of him. He has not embarrassed himself uh, defensively. Uh, this is as good of a spring as you could have ever imagined from a Jordan Walker. Now, I've, it feels like the difference from, you know, last week we talked about the numbers and it still felt like a small sample size to me. I don't know what has changed. Maybe it's just the fact that we're within a couple of weeks now of opening day. But for me right now, it's like these Walker numbers are starting to feel that much more legitimate. Yeah. And I think the, the, the indicator was on Monday. You know, he was over three initially. And then he found him, was able to scratch out a hit, fought off a pretty good pitch. Uh, and those are the things you're looking for. You know, Ali Marmo made a good point today. Uh, or was it yesterday? And just talking about, you know, you can measure a guy by his success. He said, but we're looking to see how guys deal with adversity and how they deal with maybe they don't have their good fastball today or maybe they're not seeing the ball as a hitter and how they adjust to to, to what I call finding a plan B. And that's one of the things that we've seen Walker do, especially for a guy who's who's been very successful with two strike counts. You said something there. Look, I'm not trying to crown him as a future hall of famer or anything like that we're still he's got to make his first big league roster first right. he's, he's got to get a first league big bat. league paycheck yeah but, you're yeah. right uh but you said something that i thought was interesting because the great hitters claims when they're having a bad day when they've got an 0 for 3 and they've got a meaningless at bat in the ninth inning man they find a way to get a knock like they don't walk out of the ballpark hitless uh so often and there is there's there's something to be said for that for those guys, whether it's having an 0 for 4 one day and coming back the next day or having an 0 for 3 and finding a way to get that that hit in the ninth inning, just fighting off the negative momentum and finding a hit. And the fact that he's doing it early on, I think that's a good sign. Well, I, I would compare him to what we saw with Paul Goldschmidt last year for most of the season where he might have been fighting it one day, but, man, he'd find a way to muscle out a hit or, or do something. Uh, Tony Gwynn was the best at it. I remember uh, the days when Mike Shannon and I would see Tony, and, and Mike would say, how you how you swinging it? Ah, I'm not swinging it so good. And he'd have three hits. <laughs> and then the next time you see him, hey, how you swinging it? Ah, I'm feeling pretty good. And, then, you know, like he was like 0 for 2. And then all of a sudden he'd get on one of those streaks where he would just start mashing and I think that's what you're talking about, guys who find a way to, to fight through it. And, and I, I think the best example I can give is Ozzie Smith. If, if anybody hasn't had a chance to watch uh, Ozzie and Nolan Arenado on ClavesOnline.com, uh, we, we did a sit-down with them. And Nolan asked Ozzie, when you're tired or, you, you know, the season's long, did you take less ground balls every day? And Ozzie was like, no, took ground ball, I took 100 ground balls every day, no matter what. He said, and when I was tired, I charged the ball, charged every ball. I never let the ball eat me up. And I think it just says when some guys get tired or they're in a slump, then they really bear down. And those are the ones who were able to eke out a hit or you're in a hole quick with a two-strike count. You file off a couple pitches where you're able to muscle one in a short left field or things of that nature. And that's what you're looking for. And, you know, we're seeing that with Walker. And, again, it's early, okay? It's real early. I mean, he hasn't seen the cream of the crop yet in some of these pictures, but the ones he is dealing with, he's been able to solve them with reasonable ease. And that, that's something that gives us all hope to look, see what he can do at the next level. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. This is the Countdown to Opening Day Show. We've got a lot coming up over these two hours. Don't go anywhere. We're back with more in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. <laughs> 
This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. This is Amron Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauley. Do want to remind you about something really cool coming up Saturday, April 1st. The Cardinals host the Blue Jays, and 25,000 fans ages 16 and older will take home a mystery pitching bobblehead of Yadier Molina or Albert Pujols, courtesy of Central Bank. Go to cardinals.com slash promotions for tickets and information. There's been a lot of talk during spring training about the addition of catcher Wilson Contreras and what he means to this team. Uh, this past week, Mike Claiborne got to uh, talk with Contreras and the the first thing the Klaibs asked him was after all those years with the Cubs, how's it going with the Cardinals? Everything's going well. Uh, since I signed here, everybody's been uh, really good to me, helpful, and uh, they're making uh, the transition uh, really, really good. You know, you face a lot of these pitchers as a hitter. What's it like to catch some of these guys? Uh, it's, it's fun to catch them. Uh, they have a lot of control, a lot of, uh, a lot of command, and, and they know what they want to do. Obviously, one team is facing them, and another different thing is to be their catcher. Uh, now I'm focused on, focus on uh, getting a, having a good relationship and get to know them better. Yeah, I know that's one of the reasons why you didn't participate in the WBC, getting to know these guys better. What are some of the things you want to try and learn about them as far as is it situations and what they like to throw? Is it watching their mannerisms when they're trying to pitch out of a jam? What are some of the things you try and do? I think it's the most important thing for me is to know their personality mm-hmm. and to know when we can have a conversation uh, and what and when they struggle, what they need to do to get back on track. I think that's, those are the huge keys for me. And that's something that I've been working on throughout, throughout the spring training with, with the pitchers that I, that I caught uh, in this spring. And everybody, everybody's been kind to me. I've been asking a lot of questions, and been, uh, the answers have been really good. For you, how much has a pitch clock change your approach in, A, how you catch, and, B, how you deal with your pitchers? Because they can't step off. There's a lot of things they can do. I see you doing a lot of backpicking as far as runners when they get on base. So, how much is that going to change for you? Yes, I mean uh, the, the pitch clock is it goes really fast. Uh, I think we have to find uh, some some type of way to get, let's say, guy on first. You have to get the sign from the coaches first, uh, and and everything is happening quick. I think 15 seconds goes by quick, <laughs> and and quicker than we talk because uh, last year you we don't have uh, we didn't have any clock and you take you take your time to, to get the signs and and relay the signs, but now that we have a clock, is is going pretty fast. So um, to help the pitchers, I probably would be back picking more often. Even though if I don't have a chance, I mean that keeps the the runner really honest and tied to the back. Um, there's a lot of a lot of ways to to make an adjustments, but this year are going to be different. The, the game is going to be fast. Before it used to be, slow the game down, like 
prepare yourself, just breathe. But now it seems like every, everybody speed up and, and the, and the, the at-bats just go by quick. Yeah. You know, for you, I, I think one of the things we're going to see a little bit more of, I talk about backpicking, but pitch-outs. That's something we don't see a great deal. How much do you think about doing that? Because, again, you have to stay in the catcher's box as well. I mean, it's not like you can really cheat a lot. So how much is that going to change for you? Uh, I think this year we can see few like teams calling more pitch outs for sure um, because the runner has uh, advantage of it. I mean, we have two uh, two pick off, which you have to be smart smart about uh, about using them. And um, yes, I mean uh, this year I think is pitch out is going to be a key for for every catcher and every defender. Yeah, for you, um, you've got a really good throwing arm. Do you work on that at all in your workouts? Because I see you putting a lot of work in, doing a lot of things. And when I watch you, I see you doing things that normally won't come up in a game, but it seems like you're always ready for it. Yes, I, I, during practice, I always do things that might come up in the game, might not come up in the game. But I try to pull my practice a little t- a little tougher than, than the games. I mean, we'll say like back peak on a pitch out or back peak on a bad pitch on a breaking ball. Um, blocking reaction and um, I, yes, I try to, to make my practice really tough just in the game. When it happens, I've already, already been there. But with my arm, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll take good care of it. I work a lot with the, with the trainers and, and, the, and the strength conditioning guy on doing shoulder work, scabs, and all, the, and all the stuff. And, and I think Lantos helped me the most. You know, it's interesting. The catcher has the most important arm. You throw more balls than anybody on the field, and even in the warm-ups, you're throwing. Yeah. So how do you try and take care of your arm during the course of a season? Because it's a long season, and I'm sure that arm and that shoulder might be barking from time to time. Yeah, there's times where you feel you listen to your body, and there's times where, let's say today, with a couple little feeling a little heavier, I do. I'll try to do some cold tap, some uh, some things to get going, my blood going. And if I feel my arm heavy that day, I'm going. I'm going short. I'm not gonna throw. I'm not gonna throw too much. So, I, so I can I can uh, save my my energy. And there's some days where you feel light. You feel like really good, and you have, you have to you want to let it eat. So that those days that are the the most to to take advantage of, and that's that's what I do. I listen to my body the most. Let's talk about your offense for a little bit. You got off to one of those spring training starts. I saw you tracking a lot of balls. I saw you not swinging a lot of pitches, just trying to see it coming out of the hand. Now I'm watching you start to put it in play a little bit more. How do you approach spring training with regard to getting yourself ready for, for opening day? And with this lineup, this is a pretty deep lineup, and you've been in deep lineups before. Give me your impressions of that as well. Well, uh, during spring training, I tried to just to put in play whatever I'm, I'm working on the cage. Um, to be honest, I'm not looking for big results during spring training because I don't want to get hot in the spring training. Then the, the season starts, you and you cold. So I try to put. I'm trying to put my 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 body and my my eyes and my and my hands in the best position I can during spring training. So in the season when it starts, uh, I try in a good position. I'm not I'm not lost. So there's a, I know a lot of players. They're trying to make an impression, and there's a lot of players that like to hit in, in spring training, and, and it's a different animal when the season starts. Um, right now, I'm just trying to settle in, um, trying to, to adjust to the pitch clock. That's really that's that's huge. The first few bats went by real quick. I was like, I have no idea of what I was doing, and that's something that I'm trying to trying to make adjustment on. Like, what mindset do I need to have in each situation? Like, let's say bases loaded, how do 
I'm I'm not gonna be able to slow the game down or I'm not swinging the first pitch in this situation. So that the game is speed up for yeah. sure, and those are things that has been that I've been uh, working on settling and hitting in a, in, a, in a deep line like this one is it, really good. Uh, I mean, we have a lot of guys that get on base mostly every inning, that, and that's what we want to see in a team. There's a guys that takes really good at bats and, and they walk and they walk a lot and and we have plus we have Arenado, we have Goldschmidt, two of the best hitting in the, in the big leagues uh, for the last ten years, and it, it, it helps for sure. The, the it helps uh, for sure watching them hit and 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 be that with them. Final question for Wilson Contreras: uh, You talk about how quick this game is. How, how many umpires have you talked to? When you're behind the plate, and they kind of find things that are moving pretty fast for them as well. I think most of them, most of them, I, we've been talking about it, and, and some of them are like still making the adjustment to to the quick game, and some of them are like they like they're already in it because uh, some of them like it. I mean, no, not everybody's happy with it, but the the rules are made, and we have to adjust it. But most of them, I, I think, are doing a really good job, and some of them are like still learning the the rules. Wilson Contreras, thank you for the time, sir. Looking forward to seeing you hop out of one of those pickup trucks on opening day. It'll be here before you know it. Yes, sir. Uh, 20, I think 19 days from now, and then we're good to go. Thank you, sir. Thank you. That's Mike Claiborne talking with Wilson Contreras. Up next, my conversation with ESPN's Jesse Rogers. This is Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now, back to the countdown to opening day show presented by Amron on KMOX. We are back. It's Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Cardinals Kids Clinics are back in 2023. Registration begins mid-March for boys and girls ages 7 to 13. Cardinals alumni will once again provide small group instruction and more. Cardinals Kids Clinics will be an experience your child will never forget. Learn more at cardinals.com slash clinics. ESPN's Jesse Rogers was recently in Jupiter covering Cardinals spring training. I got the chance to uh, sit down and talk with him. The first thing I I asked him was about his general thoughts on the Cardinals. Well, I think they are a 90-win team just on day one, and the goal is for them to get closer to 100, you know, sort of win the division, get those buys, all that kind of stuff. I think, unlike most divisions, it's theirs to lose. You know, other ones are up for grabs, but it really is theirs for, to lose. The The thing that stands out, though, is certainly all the players going to the WBC. That can be a, a double-edged sword, um, especially with new rules which won't be used in the in the WBC. I, I know a lot of players are savoring the last moments to take their time on the field, <laughs> pitchers and hitters. They'll be able to do that. Then they have to come back and, and get up to speed. So there'll be it, it won't be this smooth a camp as you, you might want if you're a Cardinal fan, even though you, you like seeing your players in that national tournament. But they're good enough to sort of figure it all out, and even if they get off to a slow start, I think, it certainly is their division to lose. The idea behind that, is that more about how talented they are or the fact that 
The Brewers seemingly have taken a step back. Cubs have taken a step forward, but not a huge step forward. The Reds are the Reds. The Pirates are the Pirates. Yeah, it's a combination of things. I mean, I think if you're a Cardinal fan, you may have have loved to get the maybe a true number one starter, move everyone down because you're not sure about Jack Flaherty. Maybe you would have liked to get one of those shortstops. I mean, for the Cardinals, it's weird because no executive really thinks about October. They think about April through September. But this is a team that probably needs to think about October a little bit. It's it's like that NFL team that is trying to beat Tom Brady, but before Tom Brady, they got to win their division. In this case, they should be there, right? And so are they good enough to, to beat what I call the six or seven elite teams out there, Mets, Braves, uh, Phillies, Houston, um, you know, Dodgers, Yankees. I think the Cardinals proved last year they are one level below them. They might be in the same spot this year. I don't know. But but they're certainly good enough to get there, and once you get there, that, that that's all you want. You're based in Chicago. You saw a lot of Wilson Contreras as the Cardinals go from Yadier to Molina to Wilson Contreras. What are you expecting with that transition? Yeah, it was interesting just talking to Oliver Marmo about it. Uh, a lot of similarities. They don't like to give in. They're ultra-talented. They fight hard. Um, I think Wilson has to get up to speed with these pitchers like Yachty did. It's impossible to, to repeat what Yachty could do over 20 years in terms of bringing out the best in pitchers. But if Wilson could be 75% of that, I think that's a victory for, for, the, for the team. Fans are going to love him because he's one of those guys you love. He's on your team. You kind of don't like him if he's on the other team. Um, he's become a little less emotional on the field, which is important with umpires and things over the years. Uh, but offensively, you're going to love his game. Can't catch him 130 times. I don't think they will. If he's behind the plate 100, 110, that might be the max sort of thing to get the best out of him at the plate because that is a wear-down position. Um, but I'm sure they've looked into all that, and he'll be, he'll, be, he'll be a fan favorite pretty quickly. Since they acquired him as a free agent, the pieces that maybe they would have used to acquire Sean Murphy are still in the organization. Do you think this is a team that's going to be active during the season? I would imagine so. They are every year, sometimes in a small way like John Lester a couple years ago, uh, other times in a bigger way like Jordan Montgomery's kind of, you know, middle of the rotation guy. It was a big trade. So it all depends. It all depends um, where they are in July. But I, what's interesting, again, is you, you, do you think about making moves that help you in October or just to win that division. It's a weird spot the Cardinals are in because the division is so sort of me- mediocre. One more thought on Wilson Contreras, though. He's not the best base runner, so get ready for some craziness on the base pass and hopefully he doesn't make too many outs out there because that, that's something fans will get on him about. Last thing for you, who do you think is the better team, the Milwaukee Brewers or the Chicago Cubs? I think the Cubs edged by them this offseason, um, but only slightly, only slightly. It's close. Uh, the Brewers just don't spend money, and, and the Cubs are starting to spend again. And if they get one rebound performance from Hosmer, Bellinger, or Mancini, that's going to be a huge boost. Maybe they get two two rebound performances. Um, but I will say, offensively, both teams have their question marks. Um, their strengths are pitching and defense, especially the Cubs. Um, it, it'll be close. Last year, there was it was obvious who the two better teams in the division were. This this year, it'll be a little bit closer. Thank you so much time. Great to see you. Sure, you too. Thanks. That's Jesse Rogers from ESPN. When we come back, Mike Claiborne has a conversation with Memphis manager Ben Johnson. The rules changes have been in effect in the minor leagues for a while, so somebody like Johnson has seen how they impact the game. We'll get his thoughts on those next. It's Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. 
Continuing on with Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside of Mike Claiborne, my name is Matt Pauley. On Saturday, May 6th, Bush Stadium will host the 18th annual Purina Pooches in the Ballpark Day. Come downtown and enjoy a ball game with man's best friend beside you. A limited number of tickets are on sale now at cardinals.com slash pooches. Well, uh, this upcoming season, we know all about it. It's going to be the first year of all the rules changes in Major League Baseball. However, not the first year of the rules changes. We've seen a number of them already utilized in minor league baseball. The Cardinals Major League staff has been leaning on some of the minor league managers and coaches to kind of get thoughts on the way it's going to impact the game. Mike Claiborne got the chance to uh, sit down with Memphis manager Ben Johnson and uh, ask Johnson after uh, he uh, managed games involving those rules changes what he thought the big uh, impact would be in major league baseball you know i think the run game is going to increase um i wouldn't say as a whole but the guys that do run you'll see more running from those guys um with the two pick two disengagement rule uh, it kind of gives the base stealers uh, more predictability as when the pitcher will be out of picks uh when he's most likely to pick uh that was one that stood out for me and also the pitch clock you know, uh, pitchers being ready when the ball, or uh, excuse me, uh, pitchers or hitters being ready by the eight-second mark, it's a big deal. I know a lot of our hitters had a hard time kind of getting used to the timing of that, um, and 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 pitchers being ready by the zero mark. You know, they've got to be in a position where they can deliver the ball uh, when that's when the clock strikes zero. It seemed as if pretty much every pitcher we had got banged once or twice. Um, the older guys, I felt, had a more difficult time with it just because they were more set in their ways and how they had a rhythm and gathering themselves and throwing throwing the ball to the plate. But um, I felt like, you know, early on, it took most, most players and coaches and umpires a good half to get used to all the rule changes. Yeah, I'm, I'm of that belief, too. I don't think this thing will be figured out until we get to the June 1st. So here's a scenario I love throwing it, guys. First and third, one out. Uh, the guy at first is a leadoff guy with good speed. Where do you play your infield? First and third, one out. Where are we at in the game? Let's say we're in the middle inning. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to turn two there. You know, I want to turn two and, and, and be one pitch away and get out of that inning. Um, but you have to monitor that guy at first, so you have to no, really manage that no, element. No question, no question. And that is going to be a scenario that I'm kind of curious to see how that shakes out. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel like it was taken advantage of against us in, at the AAA level, but you know, there's more scouting that goes on in the big leagues. There's just more intelligent ball players, so I'm curious to see how you know teams will adjust to that. Just trying to draw two quick picks, you know, and then next thing you know, you're a balk away from or one pick away from scoring a run and advancing a runner to second. So it's going to be some gameplay involved in that, and I'm curious to see how this kind of this kind of shakes out going forward. You're going to have to teach base running and base stealing all over again because that guy who can get that lead just far enough out where he can draw a throw, he, he's going to be very important at this point. But I don't know if we know how to steal bases anymore. Well, that's changed. And I tell you what you're going to see also when when those base stealers see that clock ticking down to one second, two seconds, those guys continue to even extend their lead more. Mm-hmm. So it's, uh, you know, there's some adjustments that are going to need to be made. Um, we'll see how, like I said, we'll see how it shakes out. You know, we've got a really good, intelligent group, and I know that helps. You know, you've got really, really high uh, IQ baseball guys on the diamond, especially on the infield with our club. 
um, I think we'll be able to take more advantage of, of those scenarios and those players and teams trying to cheat more so than others. You've been with Memphis for a couple of years now, more than two years, but how much teaching goes into it? Because you can go out and throw BP and make up a lineup card. This is the final step mm-hmm. before guys to the big leagues. So how much teaching is in play for you? You know, we do a lot of, we do a lot of teaching. You know, our goal is still to develop players. Um, but first and foremost, we want to teach our guys how to win at the major league level. Um, and, and that's a priority. So what our major league club is doing, we do our best to mirror that in AAA. And, and, and you know, it, it, it varies from player to player. But we are teaching a lot. You know, this player, uh, the buttons that he needs pushed aren't always the same as, as the guy next to him. Um, so it's, it's somewhat on an individual basis. But we want to make sure that every player that goes up to our major league club understands all the ins and outs of our first and thirds, all the ins, uh, ins and outs of our bunt plays, um, pickoff plays, and, and on down the line. So we find ourselves teaching that a good bit. Now, you've gone through it already one year with the new rules. Um, it's important for guys like you to talk to the major league players about it because this is going to be a real change for some people in how they approach the game. So what's the first bit of advice you're going to give a guy that's a big league who say, hey, listen, I don't know anything about this pitch clock or any of that. What's the first bit of advice you give them? Tow it and throw it. Have a game plan. You know, have a game plan uh, pre-pitch. Um, there's no time to, to try and gather yourself on the mound. You know, have a clear understanding of what you want to do to the hitter. You know, make sure that communication between you and the catcher is solid. Um, but, but that's where I saw I – saw Pitchers penalized more than anything over the last year. So, toe the ball, throw the ball, get ready to make a pitch. You know, I, I think it's supposed to speed up the game. I get that. But I think it'll take some of the concentration factor where guys overthink a lot of pitches from time to time as well as hitters do. And I think this is going to really bring it back down to earth where instinct will take over more than anything else. I agree. I agree. Once, you know, once everyone gets used to the transition, I'm excited to see a really crisp, clean game. Um, with a lot of action, mm-hmm. you know, I see that coming, and um, it's going to take it's going to take the group, you know, a good six to eight weeks to really get a feel for the new time clock. But in the end, uh, it provides more action, and, and um, you know, it's a more exciting game and a faster game. Which, you know, you cut twenty minutes off the game, you know, that's everyone feels a little fresher the next day. So it's uh, in the end, it's going to be good for baseball. And for a manager, if you can get out of there twenty minutes earlier. Considering you've been there before everybody else and the last one to leave, that's got to be a little bit of a comfort for you as well. Well, you said it. I didn't, Mike. All right. Hey, listen, we sit up in that broadcast booth, man. There's some nights you're like, all right, let's just get this over with. So I I feel you because, as I said, first one there, last one to leave. All right, final question for Ben Johnson, the Memphis manager. And he's been there for a while and has done a really nice job developing players. Still have fun bringing that kid in your office, telling him he's going up? I love it. That's one of the the high points of this job you know there's a lot of failure that goes along with this but to get the opportunity to tell this kid that he's going up I know it's not just special to him it's special to mom dad grandma sisters brothers um you know I don't take that that position lightly and it's uh it's something I really enjoy doing and I hope to continue to tell these young players that they're going up 
and helping our major league club. You know, it's an exciting part of the job. I'm looking forward to you getting the call where you get called up to the major league sooner than later, sir. Well, thank you for that, and I'm excited about the opportunity. Ben Johnson, the AAA manager for the Cardinals, will once again be managing the Memphis Redbirds this upcoming season. We'll take a break, come back, wrap up our number one. We're counting down to opening day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. The Countdown to Opening Day show rolls on here across the Cardinals radio network. Don't miss the excitement and tradition of opening day the cardinals home opener is thursday march 30th and great seats do remain tickets start at just 44 dollars. they are on sale now at cardinals.com there was a little bit of roster news this past week as the cardinals cleared out a spot on the 40-man roster maybe just maybe that has something to do with uh, jordan walker there could be some 40-man decisions coming up if walker makes the team he's going to have to be added to the uh, 40-man roster there's a bad right now for the backup catcher spot if uh, Trish Pereira ends up winning the job against Andrew Kisner he would have to be added to the 40-man roster uh, there's some uh, pitchers that are in on um, non-roster uh, invite to Major League Spring training guys who are not on the 40-man roster so this is true for every team this isn't anything that's unique to the Cardinals uh, but there could be some 40-man roster moves coming up not could be there will be some 40-man roster moves coming up before all is said and done over the next couple weeks and the Cardinals lost one of their uh, prospects, a top 30 prospect in the organization, uh, Freddie Pacheco, a right-handed pitching prospect. He was uh, taken off the 40-man roster, and he ends up being claimed off of waivers by Detroit. Uh, so he uh, leaves the organization, and he will head to the Tigers organization instead. He had been uh, injured uh, throughout uh, much of spring training. Some thought that maybe the Cardinals put him, uh, DFA'd him, and uh, take, took him off the 40-man roster with the idea that they might be able to keep him because there's some injury worries for other teams. But this is something that I have talked about and Klaibs and I have talked about a lot uh, on, on this show and other things that we do. The Cardinals' 40-man roster is really, really deep. And there's a lot of good young players on the 40-man roster who probably are never going to play in the big leagues for the Cardinals. They're just blocked at certain spots. So that we've just you know this goes back to when uh, the team was reportedly in negotiations to acquire Sean Murphy and just talking about the prospect capital that it would take to trade for a Murphy. Well, that doesn't work out. They get Wilson Contreras. All those prospects stay in the organization and. At some point, you need those 40-man roster spots, and you potentially end up losing players for nothing, and that's what ends up happening uh, happening in this spot. And you know, some thought that the Cardinals might be able to, to sneak him through and uh, get him off the 40-man roster, but keep him in the organization. That ends up not happening with Pacheco, so it's just something to keep an eye on because you don't want to lose players for absolutely nothing, and it's something to uh, to watch out for as uh, we you know we, we wait and see what's going to happen. Uh, with the 40-man roster, what trades may end up happening, things like that. It's certainly something to keep an eye on because the last thing teams want to do is uh, lose some of the players inside the organization. And when you have as deep of a system as the Cardinals, 
uh, there's going to be chances to move some of those players and get at least something back for them as opposed to a situation like this where you lose a Freddie Pacheco and you're not getting anything back for him. All right, we will uh, take a break. That wraps up hour number one of the program. A lot more coming up in the second hour. It's countdown to opening day on the Cardinals Radio Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. This is Amron Countdown to Opening Day here on the Cardinals Radio Network alongside of Mike Claiborne. My name's Matt Pauley. Sunday, April 2nd, the Cardinals host the Blue Jays. That day, 25,000 fans ages 16 and older will take home a long-sleeve hooded pullover. Kids 15 and younger can participate in a post-game run the bases thanks to Haichu. Visit cardinals.com slash promotions for all the information. Tink Hens had a really impressive Major League Spring training, and I say that in the past tense because we learned earlier today that he had been reassigned to minor league camp. In four Grapefruit League games, he had an ERA of 2.70, five strikeouts, five walks in three and a third innings. He was really, really good, uh, just electric stuff from Hens, and it certainly was fun to watch him pitch. Before I left Jupiter, I got the chance to uh, talk with Tink, and uh, the first thing that uh, we discussed was just how different it was for him participating in Major League Spring Training. It's big, a different experience, a lot different from the minor leagues, and, you know, I'm enjoying it, kind of just trying to really just learn from the older guys and pick up on little things that's going to keep me consistent throughout the year. When you talk about learning from the older guys, how welcoming are some of the veterans to guys like you who are getting this experience? I mean, it's like they they enjoy seeing like a young guy that's kind of, they might see kind of the similarities and the mindset of those. So it's just they're around, they looking at any little thing to help and it's great. I'm happy to be around these older guys. Is it good for you just to sit back and watch the way uh, a Wainwright, a Michaelis, a Matt's, the way those guys just kind of go about their business on an everyday basis? Uh, yeah, most definitely. Like You see those guys in the weight room, they're handing their business with a smile on their face. You see them on the field doing the same thing with a smile on their face. So kind of just taking off of that, just always keeping a smile and ready to get better. So. Let's go. Let's go back to last year a little bit. You didn't throw a lot of pitches in, in games, uh, but you were starting games. Can you talk me through that kind of the communication process and what they told you and the plan throughout the years? They were keeping your pitch count down. Uh, kind of just really just a, a build up. So like when I started in extended spring training, it was a build up from there. So they told me like once I got the call up that I was gonna still kind of still be building up. So I. I understood what they were trying to do, and it was a plan, so I just went with it, and it turned out good for me. Is it the same type of thing this year? Have they talked to you about what your role is going to be like? Uh, they never, not necessarily just talked about the role, but I'm sure it's going to be a, a bigger, significant role, so I'm just ready to be able to handle whatever. 
you're one of the, I don't know how much you're on social media, but you're one of those guys that a lot of Cardinals fans, when they're looking at prospects, they're really excited uh, about you. Do you enjoy just knowing that you've got a group of Cardinals fans that are really behind you? Uh, really, yeah. I, I love any support I can get. I mean, all my life I had friends, family, other people just all around just excited to see me. So it feels good when I go out and know, like, somebody's looking forward to watching me play just as much as me. So. What would a successful 2023 look like for you? Uh, really just better than just better than last year for sure. Just being consistent and throwing more innings, maybe some six, seven inning games come around. So that's the goal, just being able to do more than what I did last year and keep the consistency. Are you hopeful that you will remain a starter all the way through, all the way up? Uh, I mean, that's the goal, but whatever happens, I'm I'm going to dominate wherever I play, so it is what it is. Tink, thank you so much for your time. Yes, sir. Thank you. That was my conversation with Tink Hentz. Again, he just gets uh, reassigned to minor league camp. He wasn't going to make the major league uh, roster this year, or coming out of spring training this year, uh, but he certainly is on the fast path to the big leagues, and uh, so much fun to watch him pitch. Again, the electric stuff that he has, uh, so very impressive, and uh, we'll see him uh, pitching for the Cardinals and pitching in uh, Bush Stadium before you know it. All right, when we come back, we've got our weekly snapshot segment. This week, I, I like to think that all of them are good ones, but this one is a really, really good one. A historic night for Major League Baseball. Maybe the biggest moment of the 2022 season for the Cardinals. Uh, we are going to relive it together. That's all coming up in just a moment. It's Amron Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Amron on KMOX. Amron Countdown to Opening Day continues across the Cardinals Radio Network. Alongside Mike Claiborne, my name's Matt Pauley. As we move along, we get into our weekly snapshot segment, and this one is a big one. It might be the thing that last season is most remembered for, as we continue to uh, move forward in time and look back at the 2022 Cardinals. And obviously, uh, there was a lot to look back on. We are going to go back to Los Angeles on September 23rd as the Cardinals are matched up against the Dodgers. And going into the game, Albert Pujols is sitting on home run number 698. Now, part of the storyline on this game, it's kind of interesting because the actual broadcast becomes part of the storyline of this contest. It was a Friday night game. It was selected for Apple TV Plus, the streaming service. So that means that there was no uh, over-the-air or cable TV broadcast of the game and uh, no local TV broadcast either. So that meant uh, Cardinals TV play-by-play man Dan McLaughlin. He was in the radio booth along with John Rooney and Ricky Horton. And uh, they had all previously decided that if Albert Pools came up to the plate with an opportunity to hit home run number 700, they would step aside and allow the voice of the Cardinals, John Rooney, to have that call. So let's jump right in to what happened on that night on September 23rd. Really just a special night. No score as the game moves along to the third inning. The Cardinals have Jose Quintana pitching, and in the third, Albert Pujols comes up to the plate. There was one on after a Tommy Edmond walk. Pujols sitting on home run 698. One and two with one out. 
Tommy Edmond leads at first base as Andrew Haney deals. A swing! A long one! Left center field! That's the gunner! A gunner for Pujols! He is at 699 now as he hit that one a mile. Oh, did he get into it. And he got that one out over the plate, Danny. One away, partner. From 698 to 699, 1,905 runs scored, 3,376 hits, and 6,188. Or make that 90 total bases now for him. I can just keep going through the litany all the way to the Hall of Fame. Number 699 for Albert Pujols, and that gives the Cardinals the 2-0 lead. Could he do it in Los Angeles? The city where he had played for a number of years, kind of. I mean, the Angels are in Anaheim, but they are the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. And then he finished out the previous year playing for the Dodgers. That really uh, reinvigorated him. So he's matched up against the Dodgers. He's in Los Angeles. He's sitting on home run, number 699. And he's back up at the plate one inning later in the fourth. Uh, first two outs of the fourth inning came relatively quickly as Lars Newtbar uh, had a fly out and Andrew Kisner struck out, but then a walk to Brendan Donovan and a base hit for uh, Tommy Edmond, and that ends the day for Andrew Heaney. A new pitcher comes in. What a challenge for him. It is Phil Bickford, and he's facing off against history, also known as Albert Pujols, sitting on 699 home runs. Pujols with the widespread stance, arms out over the plate. Bickford from the stretch. The 1-1 pitch. A swing, and there it goes! Left field, way back! That's home run number 700! Pujols hits a three-run homer! And he hit 699 and 700 at Dodger Stadium on September 23rd, 2022. 8.23 p.m. Pacific time. Every Cardinal is out of the dugout. Congratulating Albert Pujols. The Dodgers are on the top step, clapping for their former teammate and friend who they honored before the game today. Everybody in the ballpark is standing. What a great moment, a Hollywood moment here in L.A. And Albert has been writing Hollywood moments all summer long, and you can add this one to the list. 700 home runs for the great Albert Pujols. A team meeting in front of the Cardinal dugout. Hugs all over the place for Albert Pujols as he celebrates 700 career home runs. Barry Bonds, 762. Hank Aaron, 755. Babe Ruth, 714. Albert Pujols, 700. A tip of the batting helmet. Albert Pujols for the crowd here. Looks to the sky and then heads back down the dugout steps. Incredible what we've just seen here. And you think, John, about the pregame ceremony. And again, Albert pointing out how the Dodgers made him love the game again last year. And he thanked them. He thanked them for bringing him into their family. 
And he just had a family moment with him here at Dodger Stadium. Everybody buzzing here. Danny, thank you for allowing me to make the call. I was more nervous on 699 than I was for that one. You nailed both of them. But thank you. You and nailed them. Albert Pujols. And there are more memories to come, guys. You got it. And now it's Goldie following that. Good luck. There's a strike at the knees. What a moment. Great call, John. Oh, so well my. done. Great swing by Albert Pujols. Home run number 700 for Albert Pujols. His second home run of the night. And the Cardinals lead by a 5 nothing score. Really, at this point, anything else that happens during the course of the next uh, couple hours doesn't really matter that much. But let's go ahead and uh, go through it. As the Cardinals did have a number of home runs that they hit on this game in addition to Albert Pujols. In the fifth inning, they scored three runs. Dylan Carlson had an RBI double that scored Juan Yepes, who had reached earlier in the inning on a throwing air. And that brings up Lars Nootbaar. And that's driven out to deep right. Goodbye. Long home run off the bat of Nootbaar. Two-run homer. The Cardinals pouring it on on this Friday night here at Dodger Stadium. In the seventh inning, the Cardinals score another couple runs. It starts with Juan Yepes. Good questions indeed. There's a swing and a high drive down the left field line. It's hooking towards the line, and it's a fair ball and a big fly for Juan Yepes. The Cardinals have just hit their fourth home run of the game. Right down the line, Yepes hits his 12th. And the Cardinals now lead 9 to nothing. After a Dylan Carlson double, Lars Nootbaar gets the RBI single to score Carlson, and that makes it a 10-0 game. So we go to the eighth inning, and Albert Pujols is due up to hit once again. However, his day would come to an end. He would be pinch hit for, and the person, it's kind of interesting, uh, Albert Pujols sitting on 700 career home runs. The person that comes up to pinch hit for him had zero career Major League home runs, but not for long. Here's Alec Burleson. We saw a lot of Burleson in spring training. He hits one high, deep to right field. There's his first Major League home run. Burleson hits that one into the Cardinal bullpen in right field off Hanser Alberto. 11-0 Cardinals. And that gives the final score of 11-0 as Albert Pujols hits his 700th home run. What an amazing night. And uh, that evening, he did one local interview, and he did that with our own Mike Claypool. Well, Albert Pujols, incredible night for you. The ball club wins the ball game. What was going through your mind? I asked your son this question, the same. What was going through your mind when you were rounding the bases after 700? No, I mean, I'm just glad that I did it, you know. Obviously, uh, to be able to do it here at Dodger Stadium, you know, where I pretty much have great memory last year. It was pretty special for the fans here. But also, I think, for most important, you know, doing with his uniform, with the Cardinals uniform on the bird and the bat is, uh, is pretty special. So, uh, you know, I mean, what can I say? Just just glad that it's over and, you know, everybody get to enjoy it. I mean, I'm just... Uh, just a special night, and then on top of that, we end up getting the win, which is really cool, too. Talking to AJ, he was very emotional about it, thinking about all the times you guys have been together, and certainly today you guys had a chance to spend some time together. For your family, what do you think it means to them? Because they followed you throughout the course of your career. I mean, I went out there to the suite and say hi, and they were all crying and all that. I mean, it's a special night. I mean, these 22 years, you know, uh, playing in the big leagues and to be able to share this moment with with my family is pretty special, you know, and uh, 
I thank God for allowing me to, to accomplish that tonight, having my family in the stand. You know, I think uh, they deserve that moment, uh, you know, uh, to enjoy it with me. Final question for you. The, the fans here in L.A. love you just like they do in St. Louis. And they showed it in the introduction earlier. What do you have to say to the Cardinal fans, Cardinal Nation, who's listening all over the world right now? Well, I wish I would have done it, you know, in St. <laughs> Louis. But uh, I think everybody, uh, we have the best fans in baseball, you know. And no matter where it happens, I think everybody was going to enjoy the moment, including myself and my teammates. So I think, um, you know, at the end of the day, just um, I'm just honored and humble, you know, how God allowed me to accomplish such a milestone like this. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you know, my main focus, like always being, is winning a championship. And that's that's going to continue to be, um, you know, until um, my last game with this, with this team. On behalf of Cardinal Nation and everybody, congratulations on tonight. And uh, there's still a lot more work to do in front of you. Hey, man, thank you so much. I appreciate it. A night that Cardinals fans will remember forever and ever. Home run number 700 hit on a two-home run night by Albert Pools on September 23rd as the Cardinals won that day over the Dodgers 11-0. We'll take a break. We've got a lot more coming up. This is Amron Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. The Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on KMOX. We're back. It's Countdown to Opening Day on the Cardinals Radio Network. Some folks in country music like the promise of this new songwriter who's got their attention. It's none other than Adam Wainwright. Read all about Uncle Charlie's new vocation and the new issue of Cardinals Magazine. Call 314-345-9000 or visit cardinals.com slash magazine to subscribe. Well, we are literally counting down to uh, opening day. It's just a couple weeks out. One of the coolest things uh, about the Cardinals season is just... Just how groups from throughout the entire region come in and come to Cardinals games. You see those buses rolling in. It's such a big part of Cardinals baseball each and every summer. And with that, we're very happy to uh, welcome on the director of group sales with the Cardinals. He is Ryan Eberhardt. Ryan, thanks for your time. How are you? I'm doing very good, Matt. Thanks for having me on the show. And yeah, you're right. It's uh, 15 days away from opening day. It's, uh, it's going to sneak up on us this year. The uh, One of the really cool things about uh, Cardinals games in just the summer is all the groups that you see out there. You know, you can go and you see people wearing the same T-shirts and, and you know, whether it's a, a church or a company or what, whatever it might be, groups are such a big part of, uh, of what the Cardinals do. And we had you on earlier. We, we kind of talked about some of the bigger groups, but you don't have to be hundreds and hundreds of people to get uh, to get group tickets. You're able to do that with smaller groups of people as well. Absolutely. You know, while we really appreciate our, our large group business, um, we think we have some a lot of dedicated fans that, you know, that, you know come out in, in that capacity. Uh, you're right. We have um, groups that start really at, at 20 people. Um, you know, so it's one of those where I just really wanted to highlight today, you know, some of those smaller group options. You know, our group sales is really kind of dedicated to towards those school groups, company outings, church groups, you know, family gatherings. Um you know, family reunions, things like that, to where, you know, you get together you know, three or four families, you're already at that 20-person mark, and there's a lot of amenities that come along, you know, with even a 20-person group here at the ballpark. Can you go through some of those uh, amenities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, when you look at our, our season, uh, you know, throughout the schedule, you know, we have um, a variety of dates where 
uh, discounts for tickets can get up to you know 50% off uh, for some of our small groups. Um, you know, those are more, usually more um, Monday through Thursday. There are a couple, uh, you know, Friday or Sunday sprinkled in. But even on on the the weekend games, the Friday and Saturdays, which are you know you might think, hey, there's not really much of a discount. We still provide to a 10 or 20 percent discount, um, you know, for the majority of those games. And and when you're thinking about it, I think one of the other things that we run into when we talk about group sales are people are like, oh, you know, I, I think your group sales are just dedicated for the third and fourth level of the ballpark, and that's just really not true. We have you know group we sell group tickets on every level of the ballpark from field level up to the fourth level. Um, just really kind of determines what fits the uh, fits the group the best. I think one area that you might really be helping people out is, and you kind of alluded to it, there's going to be those those large families or maybe a a youth group at church, and they all say, you know what, let's just all buy tickets together and, and go to the game, and they go the single game ticket route. If there's 20 or so people and it doesn't take long to get to 20 people, all of a sudden they can call a, a group sales representative and they can get exactly what they're getting, get it a little bit less, and maybe a little bit of a bonus in there as well. Absolutely. You know, if you're um – have a couple different families and they all go online to buy tickets you know, individually. Yeah, you, you know, you don't know, A, if they're going to be in exactly side by side with each other throughout the, uh, you know, when they get here to the ballpark. Um, or, you know, you're going to have to pay some some additional fees on top of that. When it comes to our group sales, you know, we, we do block seating, so we get you guys all right there, right together. So it just makes for a great atmosphere, a great experience, and typically the, the, uh, the fees that are on the back end associated with it are usually much lower than if you're buying you know, all the tickets individually. One of the other amenities I forgot to mention when we spoke earlier is that, you know, you do get your uh, name recognition up on one of our side ribbon boards throughout the game, so it kind of shows some, whether it's a business looking to kind of get some uh, experience Exposure, church group, you know, families wanted to kind of have their show that their families are there. It gives a great opportunity to do that. And then we also uh, provide, whenever that's up, we give you guys a uh, souvenir scoreboard uh, photo that you can take home and just to kind of remember uh, that experience that you had here at the ballpark. I think we talked about this the last time, but it's worth mentioning again. How much are you enjoying the fact that as we continue to come out of COVID, we're back at a period where you can see those buses rolling in on, on Saturdays and Sundays and Fridays. And I mean, just the the group nature of Cardinals baseball and groups not just coming in from the St. Louis area, but really coming throughout uh, the entire region. Yeah, no, that's a, a great point. You know, we're um, we are lucky enough to where you know coming into this year, it's really the first normal year that we've had since COVID. You know, last year we had the lockout. You know, that came off a of COVID year, so. We're really excited with this year. We're, we're really seeing a great response from all the groups that may have had to sit out a year or two uh, for various reasons. They're coming back down to the ballpark. We're getting we're reach, getting people reaching out to us that we've had great relationships with that you know, haven't been able to come. They're really excited to get back down here uh, again this year. And you know, it, we when you talk about our fan base, you know, especially on the weekends, we draw so large from out of town. And that's why we wanted to make sure we absolutely had to have some. Uh, you know, some good discounts on there for, you know, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday games uh, for people to kind of take advantage of it. So, you know, we're such a good, amazing fan base that we didn't want to take just care of the people that, you know, here are locally in St. Louis. While they have those uh, amenities as well, we definitely wanted to give the possibility to all of our amazing supporters within our uh, multi-state region. And while the focus of this conversation is some of the, the smaller groups, uh, if there are large companies, large groups, you know, hundreds of people that want to come out, you can uh, certainly accommodate them as well. 
Yeah, once again, we do have a consignment business that starts at 300 uh, or more and does include a return option. So it kind of gives some flexibility there for uh, a small amount of tickets. Um, but yeah, it, it's one where, you know, with that, we kind of go into consignment pricing. So, you know, the larger the group, obviously the, the bigger discount that you, you might get. So we really make it cost efficient for, uh, for our companies, for our nonprofits uh, to be able to utilize them as not only um, employee engagement, but for nonprofits and schools, great fundraising opportunities. If uh, folks want more information, if they want to set up a group date, how do they do that? Yeah, the easiest way is to either go to our website at cardinals.com slash groups. It'll give you the option for if you want to go the small group or the larger consignment group route and kind of give you more information there. Or they can simply call into our, uh, our sales line at 314-345-9000. He is Ryan Eberhardt. He's the Director of Group Sales with the Cardinals. Ryan, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Oh, Matt, I really appreciate you having me on. Thank you. That's Ryan Eberhardt, Director of Group Sales with the Cardinals. As we continue on, it is Ameren Countdown to Opening Day. We're back with more in a moment on the Cardinals Radio Network. Now, back to the Countdown to Opening Day show, presented by Ameren on KMOX. Back at it on Countdown to Opening Day across the Cardinals radio network. Peanuts Night returning to the ballpark on Monday, April 3rd with the purchase of a special theme ticket. Fans are going to receive an exclusive Cardinals-inspired Schroeder bobblehead. Get your tickets today at cardinals.com slash theme. Well, we're at that point now with just a couple weeks left in spring training that you really start to look at the numbers and what guys are doing and look at those battles that are going on. And uh, there are guys that are certainly battling for roster spots and playing time. We've talked a lot about Jordan Walker and what he has been able to do, uh, basically hitting about 400 throughout the course of spring while also uh, hitting for power, driving in runs. What he's done in the outfield has been completely fine. And it feels like he is on the verge of winning a spot onto this roster. You cannot argue with the numbers that he's putting up. I don't even feel like it's a really big statement to say that at this point in time. The Cardinals have said all offseason long that they are going to give him every opportunity to make the club, and uh, now he has uh, performed in a way that it just feels like we are a, on a collision course from him uh, breaking camp and heading north with the Cardinals, and probably taking over the everyday left fielder's job, and if the Cardinals get what they want at that point that probably means he's going to be there for many years to come you know other guys who are battling for spots have not been as successful uh, Alec Burleson is going to be a really good hitter in the big leagues uh, he has struggled to even hit 200 uh, as he tries to uh, get it together Paul DeYoung uh, dealing with some lower back tightness he's had some physical issues you wonder if he maybe pushed it too hard during what he did in the offseason he never really had uh, much of an offseason but he hasn't been able to put it together so far uh, offensively hitting about 150 or so still still time still a couple weeks guys could certainly turn it on or guys can kind of fall off a cliff but uh, that's sort of a, an idea of where things are at right now in some of those key battles all right we'll take uh, one more break and when we return mike claiborne is set to uh, rejoin us from uh, jupiter florida we'll talk a bit about the wbc and the impact that some uh, cardinals players are having uh, in that event that's next this is Amron countdown to opening day on the cardinals radio network the Countdown to Opening Day show continues with Matt Pauley and Mike Claiborne on King of OX. 
It's countdown to opening day across the Cardinals radio network. Mike Claiborne still in Jupiter. My name is Matt Pauley. Back to St. Louis. We are indeed getting ready for opening day across the entire radio network. And uh, Claves, we've been watching uh, the World Baseball Classic, and uh, there's been a lot of interesting things that have happened. Obviously, the Cardinals well represented, not just on Team USA, but uh, across the entire event. But maybe nobody's made a bigger impact than, than Lars Newtbar, and it doesn't seem to matter that there's any sort of language barrier He's out there doing pregame speeches with his team, and he's got an entire country that's kind of fallen in love with him. And it just says so much about who he is as a guy and why the Cardinals value him as much as they do. Well, you're right. And if Lars can live up to the expectations, if he can hit like he can talk and, and, and cross multiple cultural lines, then we really have something special. I, I think we still have to take into account Lars Newbar still needs to get it going offensively. Uh, but I like what he's doing. It's great for the game. Uh, and, but I will say this, Matt, I don't know about you, but the old way we play the game is terrible. And I'm watching it. And these games, for instance, yeah. Sunday night, I mean, the game lasted longer than the Oscars, which is almost impossible. I mean, you have an award show that has been known to go for three and a half to four hours. And then, you know, the Oscars was the news was on. They were still playing baseball. And I know the game started a little later, but my point being, man, I, I just didn't realize how bad and how slow the game could be until I started watching the WBC. And, you know, now we're going, we're dealing with games 230, 220, maybe 240. Uh, and everybody seems like they're happy with, you know, the play and the pace. And I think it's made a cleaner game for a lot of people. So I'm anxious to see how it fares for the regular season. But with regard to Lars, uh, yeah, I think this is what the league and the game needed. Is somebody to to transcend the sport. And, and I'm anxious to talk to all of those guys when they come back from different countries and what they learned about how the game was played in that country and how maybe they can apply it to their own game and maybe bring something from the Far East or maybe Italy or Israel or wherever else we have players playing that maybe something they can implement in their own game and, and maybe for, to help their team as well. Something that's continued to stick with me, we had Craig Mish on this show maybe a month ago or so, and he said the Cardinals could have had any starting pitcher from the Marlins except for Alcantara if they were willing to give up Lars Newtbar. And to me, that's a, that's a really big statement from somebody, and that's, uh, that doesn't just say how much the Cardinals value Newtbar. And obviously, there's somebody over there at the Marlins who is uh, pretty connected, a few people pretty connected with the Cardinals. But it just shows kind of from an outside perspective what his value is sitting at. Well, you're right, and I think it just shows what people see as far as his potential upside. I mean, still in all, Lars has still got some work to do offensively. Uh, maybe the shift will change. The lack of the shift may change that. Um, but I think people see that this guy is a plus player. That doesn't mean he'll ever be an MVP, but that means a guy that you can plug in right field or center field. He's going to give you max effort. And I think sometimes you have guys like that with max effort, it becomes contagious. And other guys want to, you know, keep keep that streak going. And, you know, but again, it comes down to production. You can be the biggest cheerleader in the world, but if you're not producing, who's going to listen? And I think that's that's what he's got to maintain, some sort of credible contribution to the ball club. I'll go back to, to the 60s, and Mike Shannon was that guy where, you know, he had a lot of energy, played with reckless abandon, and people gravitated to him. Now, Mike Shannon never hit 300. Mike Shannon never hit 280. But when he did hit, he hit in key situations, and I think that that's what you're looking for for a large new bar to move around along or to have a two-out hit in the seventh or eighth inning and things of that nature uh, is what you hope you can get. If Lars Newbar hits 270, 
275, drives in some runs, plays solid defense. I think we could all live with that. Yeah, absolutely. You mentioned the the pace of game and just comparing Grapefruit League games to the WBC. I thought it was really interesting. The Cardinals played that WBC exhibition against Team Nicaragua. And even though the rules were not in effect, the Cardinals basically played by the rules. Dakota Hudson started that game. He was really trying to work fast. There was no shifts. There was nothing like that. So you had one team in the Cardinals basically playing by the new rules. And then you had Team Nicaragua that was not. And uh, th- there were moments where guys would step out of the box and just take that lap that was so normal about the game. And it was probably more striking in that game because you had one team doing things one way and another team doing things another way. But for me, that was kind of the moment where I saw it's not about the speed of the game, even though it impacts the speed. And when I say speed, I mean like time of game, but it's a, again, we talk about pace of play. That's the definition of pace of play. You've got a pitcher on the mound ready to go. And you got some guy who stepped out of the box for absolutely no reason. Yeah. And it's so glaring. I think that game went, what, 259, if I'm not mistaken. And, you know, if you talk to players after the game, they thought it was like the the next step toward the Batan death march. I mean, it was just it was just an arduous issue that, you know, they they just weren't used to anymore. Um, And like I said, when watching these WBC games, man, it's like getting hit in the head with a hammer. It's hard to watch. And I, I knew it was hard to watch because I had complained about this for a few years about the pace of play. Um, obviously it didn't fall on deaf ears, but now that we see what we're, what we've been missing, I mean, you'd be nuts to even want to tinker with this thing. I think it it works. Let's just keep it working. Now there've been some people talking about maybe the hitter gets five seconds more than the pitcher or things of that nature. Uh, and there may be some tweaking that takes place, but I think it also has a lot to do with the umpires and how they keep things moving at a legitimate pace. Uh, I saw John Toupain work a game earlier in the week and, I love these guys who take charge of the game as far as the clock and letting people know and, and enforcing the rules. And, you know, pretty soon we'll have a lot of guys that, uh, you know, won't be won't be part of this. I mean, they're going to have to either figure it out or move on. And I think most of these guys will be able to adapt, and I think it'll make the game better for everyone. There are going to be some people that are going to grouse about it, and you normally hear about guys who haven't played in 30 years and want to make a big issue of it. You know, if they only went back and watched their own video when they played and how quick the game was, they'd shut up, but they don't. But, you know, it is what it is. So I I just keep it moving. And I I think that what we're doing now is working. I'm seeing how guys are running the bases and how they're sliding into the bases a little differently because there's a little bit more space, a little bit more coverage area for the defender as far as trying to put a tag down. Uh, Wilson Contreras is back picking a lot more. Um, I'm seeing guys working on pitch outs. Uh, These things are adaptable because I think players have now realized this could be a plus for us instead of a detriment. Claves, the art, it really is an art form putting together your spring training plan and the way you go about implementing everything. And the Cardinals have historically been very good at that, whether a pitcher is going to go pitch on the big stage or whether or not they're going to be more controlled with it and put them on a, on a backfield, which they're continuing to do. And then we saw a game on Tuesday uh, where four relief pitchers handled the first four innings before eventually uh, they did go to a starter in Woodford who came in later in the game. And that had been talked about earlier in the spring about trying to get some of these relief pitchers looks uh, at, at other teams, best players who are always playing in the first uh, four, five, six innings of a game. And there, I think there is 
value in that, in especially with the battles that we're going to see for these final roster spots out of the bullpen, there's a lot of sense to making sure that these guys do get the opportunity to play against the best. Oh, yeah. And, and you know what? As I said earlier, nobody who leaves this camp can say, I didn't get a chance, okay? I mean, there have been some situations where guys, poor guy just didn't get enough at bats, so or he didn't get this or get that. That's not the case here. These guys are in a... They're in a real situation where they've been been getting plenty of chances. They just aren't producing in some cases. And so, you know, I think it's been a fair camp. Now, in fairness, I commend the Cardinals for for stacking this thing with with players to compete. I mean, we don't have any bums in this this camp. Does that mean Memphis is going to be better? It could be. Does that mean that when you need something – you're going to be in a position where you know what you have in the farm system compared to trying to get a guy a, a shot, you know, on the big leagues, you know, on a lark. So I, I commend the brass from from the scouts and John Mozalak and Ali Marmel, the coaches, in putting a very competitive camp together and getting the most out of players. Claims, I'll finish you off with this as we wrap things up. What's others? Basically, two weeks left until uh, until things really until the regular season gets started. What's the question? What's the one big thing that you're going to be uh, watching here in these next two weeks? Two things. Uh, the bullpen and how that shakes out because you have a couple of starters that don't have a starting role. And I think the backup catching, that's a, more of an issue than I think anybody's willing to talk about. Remember, Wilson Contreras has played the, the most games he's ever played is 138. All right. So that means you better find somebody who can fill the void. Uh, and that was before the DH. So think about that. 138 games, you got some making up to do, and you can't give away at bats like the Cardinals did last year. The catching position was virtually non-existent between Yadier Molina and, and uh, Andrew Kisner and Austin Hedges and anybody else they call them. So you got to be able to shore that up because you just can't give away at bats at this level. You cannot play games with an eight-man lineup. I'm not asking a guy to come in off the bench and go three for four every night. But he has to put together competitive at-bats and not be a, a simple out like we saw last year and what we're seeing so far in the spring. Klaibs, next week, our final edition of Countdown to Opening Day. And then after that, the regular season will be here. Well, we're going to have some good guests next week, starting with the manager, Oliver Marmel, get his thoughts on how his camp has fared. And we'll have a few other guests. Uh, and we'll have one next week for our, for families to pay attention to uh, Dr. Uh, we'll, we'll visit with uh, one of the doctors down here to talk about performance and how he prepares everybody every year to get ready for uh, spring training and regular season. And it will also pass on to the young players as well. So parents might want to tune in next week when we talk to Doc Bowman. All right. That sounds great. That's Mike Claiborne. I'm Matt Pauley. This has been the Countdown to Opening Day Show on the Cardinals Radio Network.